On this episode of Infinity Sports, believe it or not, we're actually going to be talking baseball because that's a ball because that's what we do, as well as a little bit of movies because we also do that too. And that's coming right up right after our retro. Jordan. going on everybody i'm wayne g it's been a long break but as eminem said just like old times the dynamic duo sully is joining me on the show what's going on how we doing everybody it's been a while we're happy to be back you know what i mean here we go let's talk some sports god i've been itching Man, crazy itching to talk some sports i know we talked about doing a new format obviously if you're watching you can tell that it's not really a new format <laughs> or if you're listening i should say excuse me i had tacos before i started um jesus yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, I want to start off with baseball and, and kind of get your thoughts because I know you're the baseball guy. And I know that this, this whole thing started with my objection to doing a baseball um, <laughs> segment. <laughs> and so uh, I do want to talk about some of the stories, starting with Shohei Otani, who against the Chicago White Sox, he they they waive the designated hitter, you know, thing, and he hits for himself. And he not only does he throw a 101 mile per hour pitch, was was the fastest recorded pitch. The season so far, he has the uh, fastest. I think it was uh, exit velocity with a 400 foot home run, and he hasn't pitched since then. He had four and two thirds innings, only gave up uh, I think two hits. He had a one six nine ERA or something like that. I think he had a blister, so that's why it's delayed his next pitching start. Um, but he's hitting three thirty three, three home runs, eleven RBIs, eleven hundred OPS, and there was talk. I'm curious to get your take on him being a potential MVP candidate. I mean, as of right now, I, I, I mean, I don't think anybody's like truly like except now. Granted, we're you know yeah, eleven days into the season here. Um, if, I mean, if he continues this trend, I don't see any way why not or any reason why not. Now, it's a shame he only went four and two thirds because he doesn't qualify for a win. Um, you know, in that spot, but you know, uh, I mean, if he can win, I don't know, ten games and you know have an ERA like under three. And then also hit 300 for, you know, 25, 30 bombs and, and, and what he's doing at the plate right now. I mean, shoot, I think a guy would really have to, I mean, you'd have to have an amazing season to beat something like that out. It's just something we haven't seen in so long. Well, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't have to be a Cy Young winner, and he doesn't have to be the Triple Crown winner. He just has to be good at both. And I think of uh, Charles Woodson winning the Heisman, right, because he played wide receiver and he played a defensive back. Obviously, all pro defensive back, but he and caught 20 passes, which isn't anything special, but it's enough that you're like, well, here's a cornerback who didn't catch any passes, so why wouldn't we play him? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you're going to have to be great in both. Like, you can't just be good. Like, you can't just be a 270 hitter who hits, you know, 15 home runs and then, you know, throws for and wins 10 games. Like, he's going to have to be great at the plate also, but he's not going to have to, like, statistically lead every category like somebody like, like Soto did last year or um, or uh, Jose Abreu did last year, you know, in the shortened season, um, you know, where they just, you know, were first and second in every category. And that's essentially what you need out of an MVP. I don't think he'll have to be that. If he can be, you know, five, seven, eight, 
to want something like that in those ranges and then also excel at pitching you know like i said that the 10 and 3 record with a uh under with a sub 3 era you know and and obviously the the strikeouts that he has are are great to view and are great for for you know the media so i I mean yeah he's got a shot i mean he lives in a league with trout um, he lives in a league with um, right now with Byron Buxton, who we're going to talk about, who obviously can't keep this pace up. But I mean, if he does, like, I mean, shoot, you know, he's obviously I mean, if there's an MVP front runner right now, it's Byron Buxton. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's in the tough league in, in the AL. He's got Jose Abreu, too, you know, but I mean, yeah, I think he has a, a huge shot at winning the MVP. Well, you brought up Mike Trout, and I wanted to mention, you know, Mike Trout just doing Mike Trout things. He's hitting basically 400, four home runs, eight RBIs, and a 1.4 OPS. So it's so funny that he would get overshadowed by somebody like an Otani because obviously he does both things, but all he's doing is having another amazing Mike Trout season. I mean, that's what he does. Unfortunately, we've become numb to it, and and it's such a shame to see because, you know, if anybody else starts like this other than Mike Trout – we're, we're all we're doing is talking about this player. So, you know, but I mean, again, coming off the season he had last year, which, you know, I think we can all understand COVID hit the birth of his son, him missing time, him coming back and getting injured. Uh, I mean, he hit, I think it was 240 last year, which is absolutely unheard of for a guy like Mike Trout, but to see him come back. And I mean, I knew he was going to explode honestly. Now, granted, I'm a Trout fanboy, but you know, I, I mean, I figured he was going to come back with with a lot of, of anger this season and and play extremely well. So, I, I mean, again, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on Mike Trout to win the MVP. Um, that's just smart money. But again, I, I mean, it, it, depending on what Otani's going for, I mean, he's clearly got a shot. It's so wild that they're on the same team too. Well, like with Mike Trout, we've become so numb to it. Just the, the dominance. I mean, so much better than everybody else. So much better. And the fact that it reminds me so much of a Russell Westbrook, not to, I know he's much better at his sport than Russell Westbrook is at his, but Russell Westbrook goes out, averages a triple double, which hadn't been done for 60 years, whatever it was. And everyone's like, this is the most amazing thing we've ever seen. Then the next year he averages a triple double and everyone's like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, eh, what are you doing? I mean, that's not that hard if you did it twice. But in, in reality, it's absolutely insane. No, I, I mean, Trout's, I'm pretty sure he's the only player ever to start his career with like uh, every season in the top five for MVP or something like that. I don't think he's ever finished outside of the top five in MVP voting outside of last year, which I think we can all, for the most part, understand it's a throwout year. Um, but I mean, you know, you're talking to one of the bigger Trout fanboys on the planet here, so I'm not going to have a lot of bad things to say about the guy. <laughs> and, and speaking of people who are doing just what they do year in and year out. Jacob deGrom, 0-1 with a 0-6-4 ERA and a 0-7 whip, uh, 21 Ks over 14 innings. And uh, it's so funny because I saw all these memes come out, obviously, with how great he's playing. And one of them said that, you know, he's got a 2.07 ERA since 2018. And in the games that he started, the Mets are 36 and 41. The Mets are so bad. One of my best friends in the whole world, my dog EJ, is a Mets fan. And I, I sent him that meme because you posted it on our page or, or to somewhere that, that we, we follow on Facebook together. And I then sent it to him, and we, we talked for a while about just how bad it is. And, I mean, I don't think anybody expected it this year either with, you know, Lindor coming to town and and that revamped team and, and offense and, and Jeff McNeil, you know, who, who I'm a big fan of now. And – I mean, I don't know. They just doesn't seem to be clicking over there, obviously. And and I don't know what it is when when Degrom gets on the hill. That team just 
cannot score runs. Like you cannot allow one run and lose a ball game. Like that <laughs> that's just like that's insane to me. But I mean you can do it maybe once or twice a year, but to do it at the frequency that he does it is just not even a year. Like once or twice a career maybe <laughs> like where you throw fourteen Ks, allow one and lose the game. Like that and it's not like you're like pitching against like Clayton Kershaw or Garrett Cole on the other side either. Or you've got most of the time it's nobody that's pitching against him. Like Well in my my favorite meme that I've seen come out since then was that uh, his Hall of Fame speech is going to be the shortest ever because he has nobody to thank. He doesn't. I mean, he literally does. He's going to be like, thank God I can throw the ball extremely well. Bye. Like, well, beyond that, I wouldn't I wouldn't say much. Well, and the sad thing is that when the Hall of Fame argument comes up, there's always going to be people who don't know how good he is, who only look at the totals, and they're going to say, oh, this guy was like 112 and 107. Why should he be in the Hall of Fame? Because well, yes. he should have won 300 games. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to have this discussion with kids when I'm, you know, 60 and they're, they don't talk about DeGrom as one of the best right-handers of all time. And they point out, well, man, he only, his record, like you said, man, that is going to be, man, that's weird to think about things like that. I'm having like an existential moment right now. Um, (laughs) Trying to explain to my kid how good Jacob DeGrom was. Um, All right. So, you mentioned him, Byron Buxton, who I'm a fan of, and I've been a fan of since I started kind of following uh, trading cards way back when, uh, casually, not intensely. But he was like the number one prospect in baseball for like three years in a row. Like this guy, when he gets to the league, he's going to dominate. And then he didn't really. And now this year he's hitting almost 500 with five home runs. I mean, he's <laughs> literally getting a hit every other at bat. Yes. Uh, he is absolutely crushing the ball. Um we talked, and he's already a platinum Glover. So it's like his defense is elite. That's like what he's been known for. That's what's kept him in the league so far, um, because he is an elite, elite, elite defender, and nobody questions that. Um, his hitting is never followed. I mean, I'm pretty sure he hasn't hit over 260 in a season yet. And I mean, except this year, like you said, he's hitting 481. Uh, his OPS is. 1.734. I mean, that's just insane numbers. He is crushing the baseball. And, and I mean, it's great to see. I mean, you could see a little bit of this last year. He was trending extremely high upwards. He's He adjusted his swing and allowed for, you know, a greater launch angle now, which a lot of these guys are doing. And, you know, he's just making better contact. And, and I mean, the power that we always saw is there. And he's a legit, you know, 30-30 guy. So, I mean – it's it's a lot of fun to watch and i've died on his hill numerous years in fantasy baseball and and luckily i was i was smart enough to grab him again this year and he's he's carrying that hill now he's making me look like a genius so and it brought, doesn't it's not hard to do though i brought up uh, only because i live in the boston area you know people are like hey what about the red Sox? they started off all with three and they won six in a row or whatever it was so uh my whole thing with the red Sox is christian vasquez who, again, I'm a fan of Christian Vasquez because I think he's one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball, um, particularly at throwing guys out. I, mean, I love when he snap throws the first base. I think he does that better than anybody. Um, but every year he hits like 245 to 265, and right now he's hitting 382. His OPS is 1064. Like he's, It's only 11 games into the season, but I thought how good is Christian Vasquez if he becomes a 300 hitter? I mean, he's extremely good. And, and I mean, at that point, it's, it's you know, flirting with, 
JT Romuto with the best catcher in baseball. Cause I mean, I agree. I mean, I'm a Rays fan. I see Christian Vasquez far too often, you know, and more than I want to. And I mean, his, his arms are cannon. He reminds me of a Yachty Molina. He really does. Um, like a, just a young Yachty. And I mean, if he can hit like young Yachty, poo, I mean, that'll, that'll end up, I mean, they, they, right now he's on the same, you know, career path, essentially. Uh, you know, he hit, I think it was 280 last year in the shortened season. You know, so I mean, at, even at that click, you're not a bad catcher if you can be premier defensive. So, but if he can hit over 300 and be a defensive catcher uh, like he is, and, and things like that, I mean, that's that's scary good on a terrible team. I mean, that's all the baseball that I really had. I don't know if you had any stories that had popped out to you. Uh, I mean, you know, just Akudo and Acuna and Soto are crushing the ball, which is no surprise. It's fun to watch, though. Um, I, I just love what baseball is at right now. It's 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 a fun game. You know, you can go to games. Uh, I've been to a couple now, and and it's a blast. The Blue Jays are here in in Dunedin um, because Toronto and Canada suck. So uh, we get the the luxury of having them here for a while, and and it's been a lot of fun. So I, I'm just really really excited that baseball's back. I always like going to baseball games. We have here in, in New Hampshire, we have the Fisher Cats, Manchester, which is the Toronto Blue Jays farm system. So oh, okay. I, got to, I got to see guys like Guerrero and, and those guys come up through the system in double A. Um, but it's funny. I think one of the games we went to, uh, I actually remember it was one of the first games was when the Nationals had Bryce Harper was in the minors. So this is how long oh, ago this was, nice. right? But <laughs> they were playing in New Hampshire. I'm like, oh, I'm going to see Bryce Harper. And so we got tickets. And it was like the one game he sat out. <laughs> he didn't play. <laughs> That's what's rough about uh, minor leagues is they will sit out like games and and you can never really tell depending on like their travel schedule and things like that. It's tough. On the basketball front, the big story I thought, well, there's a couple stories now, but the big story was the Lakers faced off against the Nets. This is the finals preview, right? Everyone's like, this is the going to be the ultimate matchup. Can LeBron beat the Nets who are loading up as a super team? Well, they beat them 126-101 without LeBron and without Anthony Davis and granted the Nets were without James Harden but I'm looking at you know the two acquisitions that the Lakers made which was Andre Drummond and Ben McLemore you know, guys they picked up off of the waiver wire Drummond had 20 and 11 in 22 minutes and McLemore had 17 points then swing over to the Nets Blake and Aldridge combined for 14 points in 40 minutes and I feel like that's consistent with what you're going to get out of those guys because they're over the hill. And I think that Drummond giving you a 20 and 11, that's consistent with what you're going to get out of him. I really think the Lakers won the waiver wire thing, even though people say the Nets are turning into like this ultimate team. I completely agree. I mean, I think Drummond and I mean, granted, it's Macklemore you're not going to be thrilled about. But just Drummond himself is better than the Nets getting Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, in my opinion. Um, he's going to produce more, and he's he's still in his prime. I mean, he's a double-double machine. I mean, he's the definition of a – I'm pretty sure since he's entered the league, he, he like Wilt stats, essentially. He has more 2020 games than, like, the next 10 guys combined, essentially. Um, like, I'm dead serious. I mean, I wish we had Jesse on to talk about Andre because he's a huge fan. Um, I'm not sure anymore, but um, <laughs> now that he plays for the Lake Show. But I agree, and, I mean, this is just a uh, – I mean, I think a preview of things to come, truthfully, um, with LeBron and AD back on that team, that's going to be an incredibly difficult team to stop. You have a, a rebound specialist, a defensive rim stopper. You have shooting on the outsides. You have LeBron. Uh, I mean, that team's complete as it can be. Now, granted, I think James Harden's actually the most important cog on that Nets team. So not having him is... I think like a huge loss in that game and, and just like not a real scope of what they can do. But I, I mean, nonetheless, I, I, I think 
it's if it played out, I think it'd be Lakers in five. I think so too, because like you said, James Harden is phenomenal, and he is the the star of that Nets team, even with KD and and Kyrie. But you're missing LeBron and Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is the best player on that Lakers team, and so you add those two guys with Drummond, and you bring back Harden. I, I just don't think that the I don't think the Nets get to, like you said the six games. I don't think it happens. I don't think they have anybody that can realistically stop AD or Drummond on the inside either. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge isn't Dean up Anthony Davis. And uh, I mean, granted he could, I think he could, I think he has the ability to handle Andre Drummond. Cause I don't think Andre Drummond's offensive game is any good. I don't think it's bad. I'm not trying to dog him or anything, but most of his game is just off rebounds and putbacks truthfully. Um, but, and then, you know, I mean, he's not like got a jump shot or something like that. So, but I mean, and Blake Griffin's never defending anyone in his life. So, I, I mean, truthfully, and then Macklemore is going to be a sleeper, I think, you know, over in, I, I remember from Sacramento, I haven't followed him much, but I mean, I know he can shoot the lights out the ball. So, I mean, you get space and, and that's exactly what LeBron wants is, is shooters on the outside. So, And if it wasn't easy enough for the Lakers already being the favorites to get to the West, uh, Jamal Murray tears his ACL. He's out with that. Denver was the one real challenger I felt like to the Lakers, and that's a huge, huge blow to them. Man, that's such a shame. I, I'm a huge Jamal Murray fan too. That sucks. Uh, that's man, that sucks. I mean, Jokic is still an MVP candidate, and I think that you know it maybe gives him a chance for Michael Porter to develop a little bit more into a star that everyone thinks he's going to be. But yeah, I just think that kind of kills their chances. As, as good as they still are, all around, I think that they're done. Yeah, I mean, unless Michael Porter can turn into a thirty point. A scorer consistently in a game, which I don't, I mean, truthfully, he very well may be. I mean, we all thought he had the talent to prior back injury, you know, so I, I mean, if, if he can come into like a, you know, 30, maybe not a 30 point score, but you know what I mean? Averaging, you know, 25, 26 a game consistently and, and being a lethal scorer. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be so tough to make up for that Jamal Murray production. I mean, he was just, I mean, the guy's incredible. So the next topic is really something that Nick brought up because he was at the game and Nick had said that, uh, you know, was it Miles Bridges? Uh, or was it I don't Mikhail? know if it was Mikhael or Miles. I really don't. It was, it was Miles. It was it Miles. Miles? Okay. Miles Bridges has the dunk on Clint Capella, the Hawks. And it's, I mean, it's a great, great dunk. I mean, right in his face. Um, we'll have the video up while we're talking about it. But yeah. the uh, it is a great dunk, but he's brought up, he said, people are calling this the best dunk of the year. I still don't think it's better than Anthony Edwards' dunk. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, like- it's, t- it's tough. The cockback that he did was like, I mean, so far back. It just looks so good. Um, and he hangs there. But, I mean, Anthony Edwards just ends up falling on top of the dude, which obviously is so disrespectful. And, like, I mean, not on purpose, but, like, you know what I mean? It's just so, like. Well, I felt like the defender in the Anthony Edwards dunk was contesting the dunk. Whereas Capella almost like turned and like kind of went into the dunk, like oh damn, like he's already elevated. Mm, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd have to watch them like both really close. I guess I might lean Anthony Edwards just because. I mean, I think he like he he. It was one of those dunks where he got to his high point and then he got higher, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I love watching that. It, it almost looks like guys are levitating. Um, but man, I'd have to see him back to back. I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one. 
But when you talk about like guys who go up and when it looks like they're about to dunk it, then they go up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think of the uh, the Blake Griffin over Timothy Mozgov. Oh, uh, yeah. Dunk. Oh, I, He just kept going up and up and up. <laughs> and then, see, but with Blake Griffin's too, uh, isn't that the one he threw in? I think he did, yeah. Because he had one and, over Perkins and he had one over Mozgov. But I think yeah. he had the one over Mozgov, he kind of – he got his fingertips maybe on the rim. Yeah, I can't remember. And and Anthony Edwards was a full, clean dunk. Now, so was Mikhail Bridges – or. Miles, I, I don't remember which one, was a full clean dunk. They were both insane. I mean, just insane. Did you see Jaws lob? It wasn't on anybody, but did you see the lob he caught last night? I think it was. Oh, somebody throws a lob. He's coming on from the baseline. Somebody throws a lob, and he catches it back here. And then just, oh, God. It was so disgusting. I like those ones where the ball's really out of reach, but they still Yeah, and then they get it. and they, Oh, it was so dirty. I mean, Jaws was a monster. You know who the king of that was to me, anyways, in my generation was Sean Kemp. Um, uh-huh. He was. That, I mean, Larry Higgins, Johnson too. Did LJ have those kind of hops? Oh yeah, hell, uh, hell yeah. Right. I remember him dunking a lot, but like Kemp, I remember. I don't Higgins, think he was Kemp skills, but I mean, I just remember LJ throwing some serious dunks. Yeah, Grandmama. <laughs> <laughs> him and Gary Payton. That was such a fun squad. Yeah, I, I felt like Gary Payton would throw the ball into the rafters. Like, what did he just do with it? And then out of nowhere, <laughs> Sean Kemp would come and throw it down. Um, I always wanted to play with a guy who could dunk like that. I'd, I'd have 20 assists a game. Right. And then yet Sean Bradley is this, somehow makes it on the Space Jam. Paralyzed now. Is he? Yeah. From Shut what? Uh, got, uh, he was riding his bicycle. Somebody hit him with a, a car. Shut up. Yeah. So, sad story. How do you hit a seven foot four guy? <laughs> seven six. I don't know. How do you hit a seven six guy? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. So, anyways, he was in the hospital for a little bit and they said that just uh, it's a severed. You know, spinal thing, and he's paralyzed. I don't know if it's from the neck or if it's from the chest or the waist. I don't know, but not, not going to walk anymore. Could you like, deal with that? What's that? Could you deal uh, with that? If it was my waist down, I could. If it was my neck down, I don't think I could. Like having people feed you and like, I don't know. Change, even waist down. I mean, I well, guess you down, just you get your arms. Me, right? I'd be jacked. I would be jacked. I'd be, I'd 100% be in the Paralympics. Yeah, that was that that murder ball that they play. Yeah, it's like a rugby. It's like rugby with wheelchairs and basketball, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I'd be all over that. Um, all right, on to our topic that we're the best at here, which I feel anyways we're the best. When I say we're the best, I don't mean like this is our best topic, which it is. I mean <laughs> we are the best. So best. Like, get out of here, Skip Bayless. Get yeah. out of here, whoever. We're the best at talking football. Um, Started off, Julian Edelman calls it quits. Uh, the Patriots. Had, I, I think so. <laughs> I think, the Patriots had announced that uh, he was being his contract was being terminated for a failed physical, which is just a salary cap move. Yeah. And then he announced his retirement. And I love it. he's a lifetime Patriot. Uh, the big question comes up: Is he a Hall of Famer? No, not even close. Not even close. Not even close. If if Heinz Ward can't get into the Hall, then then. Uh, Julian Edelman doesn't deserve to be in the Hall. Heinz Ward has, has every bit of postseason resume that that Julian Edelman has, minus the second in yards MVP. or whatever. What he's got Super a Super Bowl MVP. MVP. Heinz Ward has really? it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, and that's what I mean. He has every bit of the resume, minus the twenty four hundred yards, but he's still like fifth or sixth in yards. So it's not like a slouch or anything like that. But he crushes him in yards, completions, everything, like everything. So, and I mean, he can't even get into the hall. So I just can't see any way Julian gets in. I, I felt like he's a fringe. Like I said, I don't want to say not even close. I feel like he's fringe because of his postseason success, because of the three Super Bowls and the one-time Super Bowl MVP. Because we talked about it before. Eli Manning, I think, gets in. 
because he beat the Patriots twice. You know, I think that if but his well, two regular Super Bowls season, gets you in the Hall of Fame. But his regular season stats don't get him in. You know, it's those two Super Bowls. And I think Julian Edelman won three of them as a wide receiver. And I know he had Tom Brady on the team as the Patriots. It's, not, it's not like he won them, even though he was a Super Bowl MVP. Um, and even though that Falcons uh, Super Bowl, right, that catch was just ridiculous. Um, I mean, it was. I don't know. I think that he will be in the conversation. I don't think he gets in either, but I think he creeps into the conversation. People will talk about it. I mean, I don't think he has any Pro Bowls. Because I, no, I, he had a couple hundred catch seasons. I know, but I don't like, I mean, again, like outside of catch, like, I really don't think he had any Pro Bowl. He doesn't. I don't think he has a Pro Bowl. All right. Well, then maybe that's uh, a. Yeah, no Pro Bowls. I mean, it's like, ugh. It's just, it's a little rough. Um, I, I, outside of the Super Bowl MVP and the, um, and like the yardage in the postseason, I, I mean, his career is just a little rough for me. I don't really see it as like a, a Hall of Fame career. He had one year in 2013 where he like, oh no, I guess two years where he like balled out. We had a hundred catches and a thousand yards. Now, I guess 98 and a thousand is enough. But I mean, it's just not enough over a, a 12 year career. If he'd have done it for 16 or 17, maybe, because then he'd get up there in, in yards. But he's got under 7,000 career yards, bro. Yeah, I was. I mean, catches wise, he's 75th all time with 620. Um, but he is a short catch receiver. So the 6,822 yards is 156 all time. Um, you know, 36 touchdowns doesn't really do anything. It's really just the and that's like that. And that's like, you know, the 36 touchdowns, Heinz Ward's got 85. Heinz Ward's got 12,000 career yards. Heinz Ward has a thousand career catches and a, a Super Bowl MVP and can't get into the hall. Like, can't even sniff it. So I just don't see any way Julian Edelman does. I mean, yeah, I I, I mean I agree. Like I said, I don't think he gets in. Uh, he's obviously going to be a first ballot unanimous Patriots Hall of Famer. You know? Oh God, he'll be in the Ring of Hall of Fame in yeah, in, in the Patriots. Yeah, for sure. Um, now a topic we didn't really cover, or we haven't covered because we've been on our sabbatical, was uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, we're now up to twenty-two uh, Jane Doe's, um, you know, basically who have come out and said that he did some lewd things. They're all represented by the same lawyer. This Tony Busby, who I guess is uh, like a the neighbor to the Houston Texans owner. Yep. And there's a lot of, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't feel right with this. Uh, right down to the fact that, and, and I don't know Deshaun Watson personally. I know neither of us do. But everything from the time that he's been drafted to now has been he's been a huge character guy. You know, like this is totally out of the blue. And the fact that it was like this one lawyer representing all of them, he's not going to name any of them. There's no criminal charges. You know, it just seems like, is this something the Texans did on purpose or is it just bad timing? Um, I'm pretty sure two women have come forward and, and filed criminal charges. Um, I could be wrong, um, but I, I'm pretty sure uh, that two have come forward. And since then, his... His attorneys have like released statements, um, uh, and about other girls that he has had good contact with, and they have come out and spoken in light of and, and for him and things like that. I don't know; it's it's hard to place judgment. Why do you need fifty massage therapists? Like yeah. that's weird. That's weird to me. Um, um, now, granted. Do I think these women knew what was going to now granted he he flew these women out, got a massage from them, and, and and we're all going to assume he more than likely had sex or some kind of sexual encounter with them. Um, most of them he flew out to him. 
Um, a, a lot were local as well, but a lot, you know, flew out to him and he met them on Instagram. Um, I am under the, the hat that I think these women knew what they were doing. Um, I think they knew that a football player is flying me out to get a massage and have sexual encounters with me. Even if that wasn't explicitly said, I think you are extremely naive and frankly stupid to believe that that wasn't like the intention. Um, now granted, do I think any of these women deserve to be sexually assaulted if they were? Of course not. And that's miserable. And if he did any kind of sexual assaults, I hope he's punished to the full extent of the law. However, if these women were paid and knew what they were doing, and now they're just coming out and trying for a money grab, which it does seem like is happening, then I feel like criminal charges should be allowed to be filed against them. Now, also, they aren't filing any criminal charges. They're just filing civil because the proof of the burden of proof in civil lawsuits is zero, zero to none, essentially. It's right. just who's got the, the saddest story and a jury's going to believe it. And 90% of these lawsuits are going to come out that he's just going to have to settle because he'll lose them. Um, so it's going to be a defamation of his character when he has to settle these suits because it's going to be look like an admission of guilt when in fact it's not it's just easier to settle and then take less money than it is for him to go to a jury trial and probably get hit with a ton of a huge amount um i don't know i just i want to see more facts i want to see more uh busby came out and, and was quoted saying you know we've gone to the police and, and things like that and then the next day the police chief came out and said i i've never heard from this guy i don't i don't know what he's talking about he's totally so, posturing and not only that yeah. but the thing that busby came out uh, I want to say when when the first woman before the first one was filed, uh, according to Sean Watson, anyways, is that Busby approached him and said, "I have a client who's going to press a civil charge against you. If you give me a hundred thousand dollars for it right now, then it all goes away." And the next thing we know, he's got twenty two clients that are all saying the same thing. And twenty two is a lot. Like, uh, like I'd have to look up some like FBI statistics and things like. But uh, uh, the uh, a person that sexually assaults twenty two women. Like, bro, that that would be like one of the biggest cases of all time. Like, you know, like the, well, Cosby, the yeah. well, yeah, exactly, and that's why, and things like like that would be like so insane. And like, again, it's I, I hate to sound insensitive here. It's an, it's incredibly difficult for me to believe that these women walked into this situation not knowing exactly what was going to happen. Well, and I want to go as far as even to say that Tony, but you know, how we see those commercials on TV, and it's like if you're suffering from mesothelioma, yeah, contact. Exactly. I feel like Tony Busby was like, all right, if you have been contacted on Instagram by Deshaun Watson, give me a call and join and this I'll class get action you money. Yeah, I'll get you money, even if nothing happened, even if it was 100% consensual, as long as you don't have it like explicitly in your messages that says like, oh, thanks for the great time. I'm glad we did it. Like, you know, you're going to get money, essentially, because there's no way to prove that it wasn't. Hey, sorry. There's no way to prove that it was. Sorry, my dog's acting up. <laughs> um, so, and it's a shame, you know, and, and it's, it's, I mean, it's such a shame that we have to kind of like almost assume that it's, it's done out of bad intentions because, you know, that should never be the case. These women should be believed when they come out and they're, and they're spoken and they, they take the, it's so hard to gain the courage to speak out against your abuser. And this just, completely takes away from like a lot of like the hard work that a lot of these women have put into like making this like such a forefront issue. Cause I, I don't know if you're familiar with a lot of statistics, but I'd say I'm not either, but I'd say more than 50% of sexual assaults don't get reported. And, and it's because of probably claims like this, these women are going to come out and, you know, put a, a, a kind of a bad name to it. 
No, I agree. And I think that if it's true that they didn't do it, and again, it's it's not empowering the women at all. It's actually disempowering them yeah. by by doing this. Because like you said, the next person's not going to report it because, like, well, this person got dragged through the mud. And I mean, that's yeah. always been the case anyways, even when it was true that the person gets dragged through the mud until it's proven, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, to I mean, a less somber note, let's get back into some actual football stuff. <laughs> and the 49ers make a huge trade before the draft. Like, we talked about this before. Like, the teams don't trade before the draft because you want to see who's going to fall to where before you actually trade that pick. But Well, here it's a little different. We'll get into it. Yeah, so the 49ers, basically, they trade number 12, a 2022 first and a third, a 2023 first, and they get the third overall pick in the draft. And the – well, I'll have you go from there. So they're moving up. They say Jimmy Garoppolo is our guy, but I don't think you give up all of that to move up in this draft if you're not taking a quarterback. No way you do. I mean, it would be such a colossal failure if they moved up to take, like, Penny Sewell or, like, Kyle Pitts. Now, don't get me wrong. I think people could get behind Kyle Pitts because I truly believe he's a generational talent that's going to change a lot, going to completely change the offense that any team goes to. But they got George Kittle. Were they really going to move up to take another tight end? Like, that doesn't make sense. So, now, this draft is different with the pre-draft process, I think, because everyone knows who's going one. Everybody on the planet knows who's going one. And at this point in time, everybody on the planet knows who's going two. We'll get to that. Um, which is – what's that? We'll get to that. We will. But uh, Zach Wilson is, is – I think he's minus you know, 800 at this point to be the second overall pick, um, which is astronomical odds for picks. Um, not only that, the Jets have come out and stated they love him. Um, they traded away Sam Darnold, which is what we'll get to. Um, you know, they're, they're locked into Zach Wilson, in my opinion. Not only that, even if they're not lacked into Zach Wilson and they sh- shock everybody and take Justin Fields, well, then the, who's ever at number three gets Zach Wilson dropped right into their lap. So I think that's what San Francisco's thinking. Um, so I don't hate the trade up early. I really don't. Um, now they gave up a ton. So, it, it, you know, it's one of those things that it better work out. Now they're going to get something back for Jimmy, um, but I don't know what. I think they get more than Sam Darnold, but. You know, so he got a second next year and a fourth next year, I think it was. Um, but I think they'll get probably – I mean, somebody will give up a late first, I assume, if it's not this year, next year. Maybe. Um, my question for you is I've been reading all these reports since the 49ers traded up to three. These reports didn't come out prior to this. But once the 49ers moved up to number three, I saw everywhere that they're locked in on Mac Jones. And I'm like, what are the shit? They traded three first round picks to move up and get Mac Jones, who would I would think would be there at you know eight, nine, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I can't believe that. Um, like truthfully, I can't get behind that. Now I understand where there's smoke, there's fire, and right now there's shit, there's even almost fire. I mean, he his odds went to I believe he's minus two hundred now, or plus two hundred, uh, to be the the third overall pick, which is absolutely insane. Like, um, I don't see it happening. Uh, now, I understand he's kind of the mold of the quarterback that, that's been in the Shanahan offense and things like that, but so is Justin Fields. Um, Justin Fields is everything that Kyle Shanahan looks for in a quarterback, but he's also mobile, and he's also more accurate. Now, the only thing that I can't tell that nobody can tell is if Mac Jones went into the, the meetings here and just wowed the San Francisco staff and all these other staffs on the whiteboard, you know, knowing plays and, and knowing offenses and, and really just being and having it between the ears. But uh, I mean, 
if it wasn't unanimous across the board, if every person didn't say they were going Mac Jones, I might believe it. But everyone is saying they're going Mac Jones. So I think they go Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, it, I would think it would be Fields. But I had this conversation with somebody because they're like, how is Mac Jones a first-round pick? I can't remember. Somebody said that. And my contention with him is he doesn't have the elite arm talent of some of the other quarterbacks. But what other negative do you have with him? I mean, the, the only other negative that people bring up is like, well, he's been surrounded by talent. Well, so was Joe Burrow when he won the national championship. You know, I mean, so is Justin Fields at Ohio State. You're, you're surrounded by talent. That's not a knock. I mean, what did he do with that talent? Well, he completed 80% of his passes, you know, which is insane. You know, I, I really don't think that he has a weakness in his game outside of the fact that he doesn't have a big arm. I mean, everything else is just great. Um. It is. Uh, I, I still think Justin Fields is more accurate. I, now, that's not to say Mac Jones isn't insanely accurate. I just think Justin Fields is more accurate. Um, uh, now, here's the thing. is Mac Jones comps a lot to me to, let's say, give me a he's, he's never going to, I think, win you a game. Mac Jones will not be the reason you win football games. He's never going to be a guy that takes over and completely wins a ball game. I don't think he'll lose you ball games either. He's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's going to be a much more efficient player. So I, I'm not going to call him Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's he's Derek Carr. There you go. He's Derek Carr, which I know you love, but the Raiders aren't winning a Super Bowl anytime soon with Derek Carr. They're just not. Um, that's why a team like – like, I don't think a team like San Francisco – or I do think a team like San Francisco would benefit from a Mac Jones, but also a team like like New England, I think, would benefit greatly from a Mac Jones. Surround him with a ton of talent um, and essentially just let him not lose you football games. Um, however, his, his ceiling is much, much lower. His floor is lower, but his ceiling is much, much lower. And that's what I said to uh, a friend of mine today. He said that he would love Mac Jones on the Patriots, you know. Yeah. And uh, I said, well – Hit to my next mock draft. I was like, but if he has to go, like, if they have to trade up, I don't like the idea of them trading up and giving up a lot to get him. They're going to have to move him. Right. Which, especially, I said, you know, to my friend, I said, I think you can get Kellen Mond in the second round, uh, maybe the early third, although he's rising up the boards. But I think you get him in the second round. He's got insane arm talent, right? And, and I know that the question with him has been his decision making, but last year he had 18 touchdowns of three picks under Jimbo Fisher, who I think helped him out a lot. So he's showing progression. Um, I said, the, the only thing with Mac Jones, I, and I said to him, as I said, that Mac Jones, he goes, would you rather have Mond or Jones? I said, well, I mean, if I can get Jones uh, Jones at 15, then yeah. yeah. But if, if I can get Kellen Mond in the second round versus trading up to six to get Mac Jones, I'd rather get Kellen Mond. Uh, I said, you know, his his floor is lower. Like you were saying, he, there's a bigger chance that he busts, but his ceiling, I think, is a lot higher than Mac Jones. Agreed, but that's Mac Jones' knock. I think a lot of these guys' ceilings is a lot lower than, or a lot higher than Mac Jones. Um, I don't know. I don't think you got to move up that far. Truthfully, I don't think Mac Jones is is gonna go where people think he's gonna go. Truthfully, I I've got Fields going three. Um, I don't think Atlanta's able to get out of four because nobody wants to move up to four. Um, you're gonna have a hard time convincing a team to give up a future first to move up to four when they could just move to six or seven. Um, shitty, maybe even eight with, with the trade with, with Carolina. Now, maybe they're out of the, the quarterback game. We'll see come draft time, but maybe even eight, I think Denver's and, and new England are realistically the last two teams that want a quarterback. And there's two of them. 
So unless somebody shocks and, and gives up the world, I don't think anybody's moving up to four. And then five and six, I don't think anybody's happening. So seven, realistically, I think you can move up to. Um, and then I don't think seven costs a lot. And then even if Denver moves up to seven, well, then you only got to move up to 10, 11, or 12. So then it's really cheap to get Mac, I think. So I, I think that's how kind of the draft plays out. We'll see, obviously. But, um, I mean, I'm excited. It's it's getting down to that time. You know, rumors are flying. You know, shit's getting shit's getting heavy, and and I'm I'm super excited. Now, the other end of that spectrum is the Dolphins. So the Dolphins trade out of three, back to twelve, then trade with Philadelphia to get back at six. And the question becomes: obviously, the Dolphins, whoever it is that they want, that they have their heart set on, they feel will go later than three, but they weren't going to get them at twelve. And I'm curious, your speculation, because the names that have been thrown out there for the Dolphins is, um, you know, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, and Penny Sewell. And, and yeah, those are them. Right. And, and I mean, who do you think it is that they have their heart set on that they're like, I have to get back in the top 10 to get this guy? Um, I think it's going to be Jamar Chase. Um, it may be Devontae Smith. You know, you don't know how their board's going to play out. Um, so I, I would add him into that list. Um, now they gave up a lot to move up. Honestly, that 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 future first was uh, uh, actually I think a ton, but they ha- they have the capital to do it. And if they believe now, I think their 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 number one prize would be Kyle Pitts. I think he's everybody's number one prize, but I don't know if he gets past Atlanta. I mean, if Atlanta's stuck at four, I don't see any reason they pass on Kyle Pitts at that point at that time. Um, I would take him there. So then at that point, I think they're going to be with Chase or Sewell um, if you're Miami and um, and I or depending on who Cincinnati takes at five then. And I think they're going to take Chase. And then truthfully, I think that's worst case scenario for Miami um, is them ending up with Penny Sewell. But again, that's a that's not a good that's not a bad worst case. You know, they just took a first round tackle on Austin Jackson last year. They took Robert Hunt last year as well. Um, Robert Hunt actually outperformed Austin Jackson, but Austin Jackson's still I think twenty one or twenty two years old. Um, getting an offensive line is never a bad thing, but then even again, I, I throw Devontae Smith into that mix and I think they'd be happy to get him at six too. So I think Devontae Smith is the guy just because he played with Tua, and I think that it makes sense to pair them. I don't think that – I think they know that, that Jamar Chase is probably not going to get to them at six, um, depending on what happens, but so probably if, not. If, if Cincinnati goes Penny Sewell, then obviously they get Jamar Chase to fall right into the lap. So. Right. Uh, the Eagles, on the other hand, the Eagles trade out of six. They move back to 12, but now they have potentially three first-round picks next year, um, which is great for them. But I started thinking, like, all right, who are they going to take at uh, – at 12, you know, I mean, who's, I mean, maybe they don't care, but I don't, know. Yeah, I don't think they care at that point. Um, truthfully, they'll probably try to move back now at that range. You know, the defensive ends start coming into play, uh, Quiddy pay, uh, Jason away, you know, Jaleel Collins, whichever one you have at that, at that spot at number one, most have, have Quiddy pay there. Um, I, I, you know, if Jalen Waddles there at 12, I'd snatch him up in a heartbeat. Um, Mika Parsons, I think I'd snatch up in a heartbeat if I was if I was um, Philadelphia. So I, I think they have quite a few options at twelve. I think more for them it was look, we only think three quarterbacks are actually viable quarterbacks in this draft. We're not going to get them at six. We don't have the ability to move up, or we don't want to move up. So let's move back, acquire st- 
you know, more capital. Honestly, I think they're one of the teams in play to move back from 12 if somebody wants to move up if Mac Jones still floating there or somebody like that. Um, so I think I think that's most likely for Philadelphia. And then we touched on it earlier. The Sam Darnold goes to the Carolina Panthers for basically a second, a fourth, and a sixth. And it swap seems like six. swap six. All right. Um, but it seems like, you know, the rumor is they're bringing him in to compete with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, give him some competition, push him. I don't think that I haven't read anything that they're going to move Teddy. I haven't read anything like that. It's all they can't right now. That it's just going to be a competition between two of them, which I, as much as I love Darnold and I think he throws a much better deep ball than Teddy does. I just think Teddy's so accurate. I, I don't think you can pass on him as your starter. I mean, again, we don't know what's going to happen in camp. I think this offense with Joe Brady would favor a guy like Sam Darnold. Um, Joe Brady, you know, obviously we know from LSU and things like that, wants to push the ball down the field. And that's not something Teddy Bridgewater offers. And I think that's why they were so gung-ho on getting another quarterback is because Teddy Bridgewater is the anti-Joe Brady. Like it's, it's, it's everything Joe Brady doesn't want to do is just dink and dunk down the field. So I, I think, I think Sam Donald has the, the upper hand in that case. And also he's never had talent like he's had in, in Carolina right now. So, I mean, now granted, nobody's calling Carolina's talent world beaters or anything like that, but I mean, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson and, and things like that, you know, Sam Donald's going to have that history with Robbie Anderson where he actually had a pretty decent year. Um, so I, I think that's going to play out well. And then Christian McCaffrey is going to be huge for Sam Darnold. And, and just in general, I think that team's on a much better trajectory than, than the Jets are. So, Well, this we talked about the Jets. This all but sealed the fact that Zach Wilson is going to be the second overall pick to the New York Jets. Because um, I know there was some talk. Could it be Penny Sewell? Could it be they trade back out of the spot? But moving Darnold, it's definitely they're moving on. They're taking the quarterback. It looks like it's going to be Zach Wilson. Our third person in usually said that if he was Zach Wilson, he would pull a John Elway or an Eli Manning and and try to force his way out of New York. I don't like that at all. And, and I think New York's actually not that bad a situation. They're a team, like we brought it up before, like whether it's Cleveland or whoever, New York is a type of team because of the market they're in, they can go from 2-14 and 14 to 10-6 and six in a year or two. Anybody can. I mean, I hate that I'd force my way out of a – unless it's like – and I don't mean unless, but like, you know, very specific situations where like the, the team has no future, essentially like Houston, I'd force my way out of Houston in a second, like you like Deshaun's doing or trying to do, or even if I was to get drafted by Houston, I'd try to get out of there. Um, but we're, just because they have no, they have no immediate future that they can, you know, try to recoup anything with it. It'd be tough to build a team at that point. The Jets have plenty and they've got a lot of talent and it just needs to be put together. And not only that, Zach Wilson's the type of talent that like, I mean, is that deal like he can win you football games by himself? So I think that's like you know, that's a huge, huge thing to have. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not 100 percent sold on him. I mean, I like Justin Fields better personally, but I mean, I understand all the reports coming out about you know how well he throws the football, and uh, I don't know. I just I have a hard time with it at two. I don't know. Man, he's good. He's really good. His the his his ability to throw off multiple platforms and and his arm strength and arm talent is scary good. He's not as accurate as, as Justin Fields. He's not, um, but I mean he throws a much better deep ball, which is scary because Justin Fields throws one of the prettiest deep balls I've ever seen. Um, but I don't know. I think Zach Zach Wilson's ceiling is is much higher. Now here's a topic. I'm going to spring a topic on you uh, that we didn't discuss in the rundown, but it's something that's very close to your heart. So I'm sure you're going to love talking about it. I cannot stand all you Facebook people, if you're listening, 
saying that you're convinced Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust. I, I just, I don't think he's given any indication over the last three years that that's the case. I think he looks as legit as you can possibly look. And even I, who questioned him a couple, of, I wrote that uh, piece overhyped. You know, I've come around, and I'm like, this guy is absolutely not only is he going to be a an NFL football player that's not going to be a bust, he's going to be an All Pro. You know, he's he is legitimately he does everything good. What does he do bad? I've boiled it down to this: anybody who is saying that that uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust is only saying it, hoping that they'll be right someday, so they can say, "I said it. I was the guy that said it," even though there's no evidence to actually say it. One hundred percent. That's 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 literally the only reason. And I mean, I, I at this point, I mean, it'd be tough to not consider him a bust unless he wins three Super Bowls and five MVPs. You know what I mean with the way people are talking about him. But people have to remember, like, like I don't consider Andrew Luck a bust whatsoever. Yep. Um, I know he didn't win any Super Bowls. The guy stepped in and brought a 3-13 and ball club to the playoffs for multiple years and was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's a successful career, in my opinion. Now, it ended short, and he never got to see everything that we wanted to see, and he was mauled and crippled by one of the worst GMs in the history of sports. But he wasn't a bust. So, I mean, there's no reason to believe Trevor Lawrence will do anything but succeed. He doesn't have an ego. He's got it between the ears. He's, he's smart. He can, you know, run an offense essentially on the field by himself. He did it at Clemson. Um, I, I, I don't see it, and I've been doing this a long time. Now, everybody has some bust potential, but if you're going to give it a percentage, man, I'd say it's 1% that the guy busts, like legit. And that's what I've been saying is that, yes, there is no guarantees in a draft. You're taking a college kid. You don't know how he's going to pan out once he gets that pressure to perform, not only with the money and everything like that. But I said in the NBA, which is really my forte, as I said, you have generational guys. And I, I always bring up Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan, LeBron James, who were the number one pick two years before they were actually in the draft. Yeah. And yes, when you were in 1992, Three or 1992, whatever it is, you Orlando gets the number one pick. You could say, "Well, I think Shaquille O'Neal is going to be a bust." Well, like you said, there's a one percent chance, but you know, yeah. I mean, more than likely he's not. And and I mean that's a great you know analogy, honest, because he is. I mean, he's as safe as a prospect as you're going to get. He just doesn't do things wrong. He just doesn't. He has arm talent. He has accuracy. He has decision making. He can read. He's done it for multiple. You've seen him do everything too. And not just that, he's been the most hyped player his entire playing career. He was the number one rated prospect in high school. He was the number one rated quarterback in high school. He won the Elite 11 camp or was in the finals for the Elite 11. I think he lost to Justin Fields. I can't remember. Um, they were in the same class. Uh, comes out and wins a national championship. His freshman year, he leads them to a national championship against Alabama. Comes back and wins a national championship. Like The guy has just done it at every level with the pressure to do it at every level. I don't think people understand how hard that is for a 19 year old kid to do and he's done nothing but succeed so why i think he's not going to now and, and it seems to have it between the years too like he doesn't yeah, get in oh, trouble I, off the field he skipped the draft day uh like event that you, it's not mandatory by the way it's, it's a voluntary draft day event and went and got married this weekend so now like, he has even more reason to like be head straight focused. exactly like you know what i mean i'm gonna go to so many jacksonville games i'm gonna live in duval baby <laughs> uh, the last topic we really wanted to talk about, uh, which this would be much to the chagrin of, we, of the host we keep referencing because he hated us talking about movies <laughs> or music, um, but it is a sports related because Space Jam 2, the trailer came out. 
Uh, we've all been wondering what it was going to look like. We'd seen some screenshots of LeBron wearing the Toon Squad, you know, jersey, the blue one. And everyone's like, is this going to be just, you know, he has to fight the Monstars again and they're going to steal some talent. It doesn't look like that at all, actually. It looks like it's going to be its own story, um, which I like. I like the trailer. I mean, I know that Ryan Coogler is producing this. He did Black Panther. He did Creed. Um, so, obviously, he's tied to it. LeBron made sure he was tied to it. Um you know, the Goon Squad is who they're going to be playing against, which is Clay Thompson, uh, AD, Dame, uh, Diana Taurasi. I like a little inclusion of the women. Uh, Nikki Agunkwe. I don't, I don't know how to say it. Nikki anyway, Yeah, so the, the two of them are – oh, is she related to uh, Yannick? No. No, no. Um, anyways, but I like that. Uh, Don Cheadle is going to be the villain. It's not going to be Swackhammer or whatever it is. <laughs> um, I, the tra- It's just a trailer, so it doesn't tell you what his motivation is. Like, why is he doing this? That's you know? what I don't like. And that's what, so I don't like, in the story, I didn't like that there seemed to be like a reason. Um, like in, in the original one, there was a reason. They needed help to, you know, save from the blah, blah, blah. Even if, even if it was a made up reason, they're going to some planet on whatever to be sideshow attractions. It gave you a reason. And I, I haven't seen, now granted his son gets kidnapped, but why? And, and right. I'm hoping, obviously, they'll let us know, I'm assuming, and, and things like that. Now, um, LeBron James is LeBron James, so he's the most well-known athlete. And blah, blah, maybe he wants Don Cheadle, who's the runs this, you know, AI. He's the king of the AI-verse or whatever. Um, maybe he wants LeBron in his AI-verse. But even still, that's a stupid reason, in my opinion. Yeah, there's got to be something driving it, like to kidnap his son so that he will play. And then to send him, because he's like, send him to the rejects and he sends him to, you know, Looney Tunes. So he could have sent him to any of these other planets. Um, So this is a little bit different because obviously in the original Space Jam, Michael Jordan was recruited by the Tunes to play with them. In this case, Don Cheadle's just saying, hey, you have to play for your son's life or whatever and sending him to. uh, Now, the one part of the trailer I did think was funny is when Daffy Duck goes, here, uh, shoot the ball. And then he pulls out the six guns and starts (laughs) shooting the ball. That was the part I laughed. Um, But, I mean, I'll watch it. I don't know if I'll like, because, I mean, I love the first one so much. I mean, so much. I mean, it's cheesy and campy, but it's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't think I loved seeing LeBron as a cartoon either because MJ was never a cartoon in his He version. wasn't. Um, so I, but again, it's not that version. So, you know, uh, maybe I'm expecting it to be an homage to one and it's not. So. so I like the idea of LeBron as a cartoon because they can do more with him. They can flatten him. You know, yeah. they can do all kinds of – I mean, they could do that with MJ they too. They that with MJ in the other one. Well, they, I mean, they flattened Newman. Um, yeah. But they didn't flatten it. I mean, MJ, I think he stretched his well, he arm stretched out again. stretched his arm out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it gives them a couple more opportunities there. Uh, the the two things that made me laugh in the trailer. The first was when LeBron's a cartoon and he's got a whiteboard. And he's like, all right, so we need to get King Kong, the Iron oh, Giant. Yeah. He's Gandalf. a super team. <laughs> yeah, Gandalf was on there. He's building a super team. Uh, that was pretty funny, too. That was hilarious. And I know that LeBron can laugh at himself, and I'm sure they will make some sort of a super team reference. You know, oh, he's yeah. doing that. Um, like, hey, we'll play with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the other part that made me laugh was uh, Lola tossing the uh, alley-oop and then doing the Dwayne Wade. <laughs> the Dwayne Wade thing. Yeah, that was cool. I, I did like that. Um, I've seen the still shot of that, too, and that's really cool. I, I'm, I mean, that'll be a cool little reference. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think it was bad by any means. Like I said, I'd like to see or know, like, the motive behind it. But other than that, I, you know, I'm going to watch it. That's for sure. 
Yeah, of course. It's a sports movie. I gotta watch it. Yeah. Well, I don't have I don't watch every sports movie, but I'll definitely watch Most this one. Most of them I watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much our show that wraps things up. And obviously, we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, a treat for you guys is that the people on YouTube who watch the clips are not going to see this stuff that I'm saying to you. So thank you so much for listening um, and tuning in and downloading the episodes. Uh, I know I certainly appreciate it. Uh, I know Sully does as well. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, visit us on YouTube. Watch some of the clips. If you liked a particular clip while you're listening, check it out on YouTube. That clip will be isolated on its own. Um, you can follow us on social media. Uh, on Facebook, we're at Infinity Sports Podcast, uh, at Infinity Sports Podcast on Instagram, and at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter. We'll interact with you. Give us some ideas for the show. We're always looking for those. True statement. Uh, but that said, uh, I don't know. It's been a long time. Do you want to throw it to Kenny? You want me to throw it to Kenny? You can throw it. Let's do something exciting. Okay. Uh, hey, Kenny. Uh, where are we at with the show? You <laughs> so-